Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. that we all fall short of the glory of God, that we are all sinners. Let us go now together, confessing our sins to God. You, O oh God, offer us more than we could ever ask, blessing us beyond compare. You feed us with compassion, hold us up with hope, and clothe us with grace. You call us to feed others, to hold others up, and clothe them with peace, joy, and love. 
but we worry about the food on our own plates before offering it to others. We pay more attention to our own survival than to the well-being of those around us. We ensure that our own backs are covered before protecting society's most vulnerable. Lord, all we can do is ask for your forgiveness. We don't know why we do the things we do. All we know is that we're sorry. We want a clean slate. Help us to be the messengers of humility, patience, and peace. Bind us together with you and with one another so that we may follow the risen Lord who feeds us and holds us. And now let us pray silently together. Even while Jesus was on the cross beside two convicted thieves, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. In our ignorance, in our hatred and disgust, Christ breaks in with forgiveness. Hear the good news. We are forgiven, called to forgive. We are loved, called to love. Live in peace with God and one another. And now for Holy Interruption. Hey, downtown family. This is Emily. Ben. Ella. And Gary Pickering. Our lives are as busy as ever. I've been teaching face-to-face from the beginning of the school year, along with becoming an Uber driver for my kids. I've been going to school and playing club and school soccer. I've also been going to school and I've been spending a lot of time with my horse forest. And I've been watching a lot of soccer games in the pouring rain and getting my real estate law firm ready for our spring selling season. We hope everyone is safe and can't wait to see you all face to face at church. If you're enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too.
Today we begin a sermon series for the season of Lent on the covenants. And so I'm reading today from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 13. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you, and for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Begin Again. Begin Again. In his poem, Father, the poet Carlos Andres Gomez writes, In the basement of a crack house, I used to visit as an outreach worker on the 121st Street in Harlem. I was convinced, he being God, refused to travel north of 96th. I wrote a letter to Joanna on her mission in Taiwan, detailed each irrefutable piece of evidence proving we are all, in fact, alone told her about the nine-year-old orphan forced to sell her body for three years before ending up just off Times Square, discarded in a dumpster. I told her about the eldest son who answered a burglar's call and was shot, paralyzed from the waist down. I asked her about drought and famine and endless civil wars. What lessons does his book refuse? The speaker in this poem cannot reconcile God's presence, a good presence with the human suffering of our world. It doesn't add up. So he calls on this friend, Joanna, to defend God to him. For as as his eyes see it, God does not travel north of 96th. God does not hang out in crack houses or on the streets of Harlem. God does not shelter the young from the dumpsters or the stories that can lead them there. He asks, what kind of father is that? One that will not protect us. What kind of love is that? This is the first part of Carlos' poem. And in the second part, though, we see a significant shift. He moves from deep-seated doubt of God the Father to his own experience of becoming a father himself. He writes, When our heart rate dropped by half in less than a minute, the population of our cramped hospital room tripling in a handful of seconds, I grasped for anything that would keep me upright. At first, the wall, cool and steady, demanding my body ascend beyond what seemed possible. Then, nothing. No one. I stood in the waiting room to the OR, waiting to be called in to find out if my child had survived. 
and I spent each second trying to pull tiny shoe coverings over my too large feet, and I confessed every wrong of my life to an empty, overlit room of steel and sterile instruments that all reflected back distorted versions of myself. I fumbled for any prayer I could remember, hoping that I had all along been mistaken about the hollow blackness of the infinite sky. I never wanted so badly to be wrong about anything in my life. And then a disembodied voice called out seemingly only to me, a tiny growl at first that blossomed into a wail dwarfing any thought in my mind could possibly hold any faith I'd ever been so foolish to claim. This poet captures his fear in his words, his inability to be in control of the small hospital footies over his oversized feet, much less the beginning of his child's life teetering in the hands of a surgeon. Helpless. He was helpless in such a significant moment of his life. With his words, he captures what it means to be a father, to love so fiercely that you would commit to protect this life, even when you do not have the the authority within you to do so. A love so compelling toward the most fragile of humans, one he meets through this tiny scream for the first time. And so he prays to a God he doesn't even think exists because he needs so badly for that promise to be true, for God's promise to provide life and to protect life to be true. For that moment, he doesn't let his own lack of belief hold him back from experiencing a miracle. He comes to understand this love, this love of a father. And through that love, the poem leaves us to think that he begins a new chapter. Well, similar to Carlos, God is working out what it means to be father, our father, our creator, our parent. As the Bible tells us, God has birthed creation into being. And then as creation has fallen to human suffering, God destroys all. All of it with the flood. You may be like me when I learned this story of Noah and the flood and the ark. I asked, how could God, our Father, do this? It seems that just as there is a shift in the poet Carlos, there is a shift in God as well. For though God starts the flood and destroys the earth as it once was, God chooses to begin again with this covenant. God makes a promise to Noah. He tells Noah that he will never again destroy the earth in this way. Verse 11, God says, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. There's a scholar, Bonfilio, who says that this promise to never again bring destruction, it doesn't hinge on certain stipulations being followed, nor is there any mention of blessing for obedience or curses for disobedience. Rather, 
The integrity of the covenant rests solely on God's fidelity. God has chosen a new way of being in relationship with us, not just with Noah and his family, but all of us, every creation of earth, every generation to come. And this transition, it's marked by an undoing of God's initial act of creation. Listen to this. As the flood narrative unfolds, clouds hide the light of the sun, reversing days one and four of creation. And then plant and animal life is destroyed, reversing days five and six. And then the dry ground disappears, reversing day three. And as the rain descends and the seas rise, this distinction between waters above and waters below, it goes away, reversing day two. And at the height of the flood, the earth is once again a formless void. In the midst of this chaos, God once again sends this Holy Spirit to bring life and order. And from here, creation begins again. The invitation in destruction is to begin again. And God models it for us. God begins again. You know, in the season of Lent, we often focus on ourselves. What can we give up for 40 days? How can we be better humans or better followers of Jesus in 40 days? And y'all, I'm wondering if, if we've just, if we've given up enough this year, and if the invitation this Lent could be different to shift our focus from ourselves to focus on God to read God's character in Scripture, to learn God's character, for it changes in this early part of our biblical story. God goes from being a parent who is fed up with the behavior of his children to promising us never again will we experience that level of loss. Over the course of these next few weeks of Lent, Lucas and Charles and I We'll be exploring this theme of covenants with you. God's initiation of a new beginning with us. God's promise to us that God will be there. God's word that never again will we see that level of suffering, a complete wipeout of God's creation. It seems like as good a time as any for us to remember that God has this fatherly, parent-like love for us. A love that brings God, like the poet, to lean on a wall outside an OR, desperate to know us. A love that causes God to make promises that seem impossible for God to keep. A love that causes God to wait in hope that our disembodied screams will let him know we are ready to begin again. In these days, we walk together. We will suffer, yes. We will be helpless, yes. But we will grow, yes. We will grow and we will learn the character of our God. Our God who loves us more than any human experience can behold. 
Thanks be to God. Amen. I know that this world's not my home. It's never been. I walk the hard road to try to take care of my children. And I'm just passing through. But Lord, we have no friend like you. Heaven's not my home, and what shall I do? So wrap your arms around me, Jesus, like a circle around the sun. Help the ones who find me here understand what I have done. I'm screaming and crying, seeking shelter from the storm. Put your arms around me, Jesus, tonight Hand in hand, do you know where we're going? Hand in hand, I'll go where you leave me Wrap your arms around you, Jesus Move the wind across the sea In the morning when the sun is low I'll keep you company I'm waiting in the water Keep my son and daughter Put your arms around me, Jesus, tonight Hey, Don. Hey, Lucas. Reverend Lucas. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you the Rev. No, that's re- that's <laughs> that's reserved for uh, the character in uh, Remember the Titans, which you preached on like four months ago. Rev. Mm. Man, that poem by, it's Carlos Andres Gomez. That was beautiful. And your sermon was beautiful, but that poem just just struck me. And I think it, it speaks to something so human about control, about suffering. And, and I just want to thank you for sharing that and, and accompanying it with your word and with God's word um, from Genesis. So, so thank you. 
I think your opening bit, the, the question of human suffering and the presence or absence of God is one of the ultimate questions of the Christian faith. And, and how did you, we're talking about covenants for the next four weeks, but how did you land on that as a way to introduce covenants and this narrative of the flood and all that? Really good question, Lucas. Um, so I, when I was looking at this scripture, I realized that it's really all about God. Like typically covenants happen at an ordination like you just had or at a marriage um, service or at a baptism where we're, we're making promises to each other. And this one is really just God speaking and saying, hey, I'm making this covenant with you. And we don't really hear, at least in this part of the scripture, Noah's response or the family's response. So I was already leaning toward just focusing on God. And then I heard this poem Um and what I loved about it is it brought up um, the complexities of being a father, of being a parent. Um, and so I just, I was curious about God, like what, what prompted God to want to save a little slice of humanity in the ark, you know, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the original plan. God kind of changed God's mind and, and what prompted God to, um, want to establish this new covenant with them when we know in scripture that Noah's family was sinful, like they weren't, you know, the pro- the best ones to, to start with. And so I just, the messiness of all of that um, kind of fit together in my mind. Um, and, and actually I was talking to Ray McManus, who's a poet, who's going to lead the poetry workshop with us this Lent. And he was talking about, uh, he said I could share this story when his son was two he, he was misbehaving, you know, and uh, as two-year-olds do, as any kid does. <laughs> and um, he told his kid, like, hey, stop doing this or you got to go to timeout. Hey, stop doing this or, you know, take away this privilege. Like he had tried all the tricks and the, all the discipline tools. Finally, I mean, this was, you know, a decade or so ago. He was like, you got to quit doing that or you're going to get a spanking. Like legitimately, that's what's going to happen. And the kid didn't stop. And so he remembers um, given his son a spanking and his son cried, but like two seconds later was okay, you know? And he said, but it so affected him as a father that he had to leave the room and he wept, you know, Mm. like grown man just wept, um, because of, of that. And he knew that he wasn't really hurting his child, but just having to discipline kind of, um, and, and how that is wrapped up in love. And anyway, I just, I, I'm, I'm pulled and drawn by all of the questions and the messiness of love. And I just kind of love, I like that God seems to be working that out. And we get a picture of that in scripture. Mm-hmm. That was a really long response. No, that was a good <laughs> response. That's, um, I think any parent can empathize or even anyone that's been close with children can empathize with that story. Um, you say, and anyone who's had a parent. I mean, we all yeah, have. Yeah, that's true. We all have. We've all been the child that needed yes, to be spanked. Right. Some and more we, than others. Yeah. And I think even in the best parent-child relationships, and I use that word best with quotations because I don't think there's like a hierarchy <laughs> of how to be good and not, but you know, healthy ones, whatever mm-hmm. that means. Um, there's issues, you know, like we all have human sinfulness. Um, and so I think... I think anyone who's been in any kind of relationship, hopefully, or who's thought about God as our parent could relate to that. 
Yeah, and you say something in your sermon about it doesn't add up. It made me think of in, in college, I was in accounting class, and um, the teacher was like, accounting's very simple. You just got to make sure the debits and the equal the credits. It adds up. It evens. And our relationship with God doesn't add up. And, and I'm thinking about parental relationships. I'm um, in the process of becoming a stepfather. Like, it doesn't add up. Like, you don't, I mean, like, what you give, you don't always get back. If, if you look, and even in relationships with partners and husbands and wives, like, transactional, it doesn't work in those kinds of relationships. It leads to more division and, and doesn't leave room for grace and doesn't leave room for the selfless love mm-hmm. that God gives to us, the the love that doesn't expect something in return, the love that just is always reaching towards us. Um, and so I like that because you, you say it doesn't add up in a way that's bad, but it's actually really good mm-hmm. that it doesn't add up, and, and that's really beautiful. It made me think of this quote. Um, and we live in a world where everything is money. Everything is, I scratch your backs, you scratch yours. I want a biscuit, I'm going to pay you this much money, da, da, da. And so it's so strange when people are just like overly generous or overly hospitable. And I've encountered so much of that at downtown church and just with the goodness of the people that are here. And it's this quote that says, um, we must stop understanding God through the lens of the empire, but change the empire based on our understanding of God. And how can we change our everyday practices based on this kind of love, based on this kind of covenant that God creates uh, with Noah? I know that's not really a question. That's me rambling now. No, but but it uh, makes, yeah, it's good. It makes me think of C.S. Lewis who talks about poetry and says that sometimes poetry gets us to the point when prose cannot. hmm. And particularly for this poem, there were images that stuck with me. One of them was... um, his reflection in the utensils on the table, like the the metal utensils of the of the OR room, and it made me think about how God is reflected in distortions and in ways that even in our words we're trying to capture God or God's love or the kingdom, and we can't right. Like any picture we paint is going to be a little bit distorted. But um, but the the image that I just wanted to leave people with is God leaning on a wall waiting outside of an OR room, just wanting to hear our scream, wanting Mm. to know us, wanting to be in relationship with us. And to me, like, I will pray to that God every day and night. Hmm. And ultimately, we can never fully know the questions of, of God and suffering, but the culmination of our Christian faith, which we're walking towards in Lent, is it's not that God is distant in our suffering, but that God is actually suffering alongside us. That's right. When we see Jesus and the men on the cross, that God is hanging from that cross. And, and I, uh, I really believe that when suffering happens, that, that God's heart is the first to break. Mm. And I think that's true with parents, with loved ones, with, with really anyone who cares deeply. And it doesn't all add up. And, and that's, that's kind of a beautiful thing that we can't explain, explain it all. But we know that God's covenant is with us. And this is just one of many that we're going to continue to explore. And I just wanted to reiterate your last few words of this sermon because it's beautiful. You say, in these days we will walk together. We will suffer, yes. 
We will be helpless, yes, but we will grow. Yes, we will grow, and we will learn the character of our God. And that's just beautiful, Don. So thank you. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks for putting up with all my poems. Hey, <laughs> I love it. Some people make fun of the word, the way I say poem. Poem. You're I don't. Good. I don't pronounce it right, but I don't pronounce a lot of things right. Well, with that, we're going to move into a time of Holy Communion, the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Like I've said many times, and Donna said many times over this podcast, the table looks different right now. You might not be at a literal table. You might be walking in your neighborhood, driving in your car, or sitting alone. But know that the table that Christ calls you to, the table of love, the table of acceptance, the table of affirmation and forgiveness, transcends time, transcends space, and meets you wherever you are. So come to this table. Gather some bread or wafers or wine and juice and take time to know that you are welcome. There's a specific space set apart for you, a placemat, ready for you to sit, ready for you to speak up, to join this conversation, to join this wild family of faith. And that is good news. Come to this table. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and our praise. God, it is right to give our thanks and praise. God, we give you thanks for your covenant to us. We give you thanks for your creation and your renewal of creation and the way you care for us, the way you care for this world. We thank you for the trees, for the grass, for the birds, for the smallest organisms in the world that all radiate your glory. God, be with us as we break open this bread, as we drink this juice or wine, and we remember your son and the way he so radically affected this world. The sacrifice he made, the love he showed, the lessons he taught God, let us remember them. Let us live into them. And God, we praise you, joining our voices with choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And join us now as we pray the prayer that your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
The night before Jesus would be betrayed and arrested, he gathered a group of his friends, of his disciples, for dinner. And after dinner, after giving thanks, he took a loaf of bread. He held it up and and said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of this, do so in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup and he poured out wine and he held it up and said, this cup holds the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Whenever you drink of this, remember me. Friends, every time we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we're reminded of the saving power of Jesus Christ. And we affirm that he will come again. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for the sacrament of communion. We give thanks for the reminder it is of our place at your table. For the reminder of the power of Jesus, of his sacrifice, of his love for us. Not that we deserve it, not that we have made any transaction that deserves it, but of your love for us, always reaching, always growing. God, may this bread and this wine or juice compel us to go out into your world and be the love that you have given us, to show that hospitality to one another, to show that non-transactional love and empathy and forgiveness to all those who need it, to those in hospital rooms, under overpasses, in distress, in famine, in war. God, be with them and spur us to be with them as well. We give you thanks for all the blessings you have given us. It is in your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Smiling face, I will pray, pray, pray. To 
For the benediction. God's love for us is greater than we can imagine, greater than we could ever put into words. God's love extends to us in this covenant. And so as we go from this time of worship, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love, and with all those no one loves. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition vocals brought to you by Adams Way, Sean Thompson, Lindsay Blair Simmons, Mario McLean, and Joe Hanna. Audio Mastery by Drew Parker. Love Divine, All Loves Excelling by Charles Wesley. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. Circle Around the Sun by James Taylor. And From This Valley by The Civil Wars. Music covered under the license CCS number 11209. Scripture is quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And Theological Musings and Prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.